0: Now it's time for another Dr. Film Podcast. Okay, welcome to another Dr. Film Podcast. I'm Eric Grayson, and we're not in character as Dr. Film this week. And the reason for that, of course, is that sometimes we have a serious podcast, and sometimes we have one of our silly ones. So this is one of our more serious ones.
1: Oh, very serious
0: indeed. (laughs) And I'm joined today by Glory June Greif.
1: Who in real life is a
0: historian. And I also, of course, play anamorphia and assorted strange characters that Eric Grayson dreams up. One of the things I wanted to talk about, and I get questions about this, um, one of the criticisms I get is people say, well, gee, Eric, what you should really do is not waste so much time on these podcasts, but get down to doing preservation work the way you're supposed to do. If only
1: it were so easy, right?
0: Oh, if only it were so easy. And... For for those of you who don't know, we've already done... Let's see, what was it that we've done? Well, your first project, wasn't it, was King of the Congo? Yes, At least which three is... three episodes of it. Which has been delayed, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right.
1: And then, of course, Little Orphan Annie, the 1918
0: silent film,
1: which even has footage of James Whitcomb Riley. James Whitcomb Riley, for those of you who are not from Indiana, was actually a world-renowned poet in his day... And wrote a famous poem called Little Orphan Annie, and this uh, this film is allegedly based on the poem.
0: And and Little Orphan Annie, we restored back to motion picture film. It's actually a a top notch restoration with all of the care that would have been put in by an archive, except the archives couldn't have gotten to it. So that's why we did that one. And in fact, why is that? Well, because the archives are hip deep in films that they can't get to. And I knew I could get some funding f- for um, this project, and because so I. It was from Indiana. It was from Indiana. It was from it was at the right time, and mm-hmm. I said, "Well, let's let's do this." And the archives, it was Library of Congress, said, "Hey, that sounds like a good idea. That way, they get it, they get it fixed. I get it fixed, and and we all get to see it." And then, of course, the next one uh, was.
1: That was the uh, the Milan game, wasn't it? The the famous championship. Milan high school basketball team uh which was the basis for the movie hoosiers many decades later
0: Mm -hmm. now that one was a special case too a a lot of these are special cases because people come to me and they say can you fix this (laughs) these films are in the high school at Milan, and they called the local tv station and they said hey we'd like to get these things saved is there someone around who can fix these and so the tv station took me down to Milan high school which and, by the way is just the teeniest tiniest town you can imagine in in the wilds of southeastern Indiana. And it's it's still in the middle of nowhere. It's still a tiny little place. And these these films smelled so bad and they were so wrinkled and they were just about ready to go. And I thought, well, I don't really need to preserve them because these aren't the only copies. Turns out they were the best copies that survived.
1: And almost the only ones
0: anyway. Yes. Um, there were a couple of other ones in some private hands and in an archive that they were missing footage or had lines, and I thought, well, I've got to do this one or else these films are going to be lost, and so I preserved those, and those are out on Blu-ray too. And With the original film, the, the restored film, went back to where? Well, the, um, the restored film went back <laughs> to uh, Indiana University, and in, it's on. Their archive. It's in their archive. And the Mylan exactly. High School stuff was going vinegar syndrome. Um, little Orphan Annie was, was uh, nitrate, so it, it turns into mush, and the other stuff turns into vinegar and starts to really smell. Uh, is, and that was, that was in trouble, too. Uh, the Mylon High School stuff was just about shot, and that's in cold storage to try and save it as long as it can be. And it should be good for maybe another year or so, but I think eventually it's going to go, too. But you have a brand new copy now. There is a brand new restored copy that came out of uh, a, of uh, a film lab, and it should be good for another 400 years. So that, that's what we're doing. Really my heart
1: about. good to hear stuff like
0: that. Well, that's what history <laughs> and historians are supposed to be about. You bet. So that doesn't mean that I'm not working on other projects, but many of them have been delayed. <laughs> And one of the things that you were talking about was King of the Congo.
1: King of the Congo was an interesting project. That was the first sound serial, or at least partial sound, and uh, had as a feature player one Boris Karloff. This was a fun thing. Of course, it's terrible, as most serials were, it's a terrible movie, but it's historically very important. So that should be saved. Unfortunately, the sound back then was recorded on discs, 16-inch discs, and so not all of that sound has survived.
0: Well, King of the Congo is a lot of fun. It's It's got Boris Karloff. It's got gorillas. It's got sound effects. It's got gorillas
1: who make sounds like donkeys.
0: Yes. I mean, it, any kind of <laughs> weird thing. It's got dinosaurs in it. Dinosaurs, yeah. Any kind of weird thing is in this film. Uh, The problem with it is that uh, we don't have all the sound. And the next problem was that everybody's been bothering me about this. I say, well, why don't you put this out? Why don't you put this out? And I've been accused by some people of actually stalling and not putting it out on purpose. And that's not... uh, Would
1: would that were the case? No, no, no. The problem
0: has been that I got two National Film Preservation Foundation grants to restore this. And I restored two chapters of it, although the rest of the way was sound. I did another Kickstarter for a third chapter. But here's the problem. Once I did that, we found better material. And once we found better material, there's 35 millimeter material in the hands of a private collector. And now I have to negotiate with the collector in order to get access to the film. And that's been an issue for the last two years. And we finally got a grant to cover that. The collector has said, okay, and we're going to do uh, a restoration of the whole film. And it's taken all this time to work out all the details in order to make this happen. And I'm going to tell you, I was just on the phone and on an email today with somebody, and the details are still not entirely worked out, but I'm trying. Very hard. Yes, and we'll have the entire film... Uh, with reconstructed sound for the material that's missing. We've got about half the film sound, and we've got the script for the whole thing. So I've got actors lined up to do this. I've got um, most of the sound for the, the soundtrack ready to go. Uh, so it should be fairly easy once I get access to the to the material, and that's something I'm hoping to do. But again, that's going to be a three-hour Blu-ray. Uh, it's going to be pretty uh, pretty heady uh, hairy stuff, and I I, uh, I hope it all goes well, and we'll have some extras. Uh, i talked to Sarah Karloff about it, and she's all behind this. So it's it's an exciting project, but it's probably not going to be done for another year or so. Oh, dear. People have been waiting so
1: long. So what about, uh, I've, heard, I've heard you've been uh, talking with people about doing a restoration of Ella Cinders.
0: Well, Ella Cinders is another Colleen Moore picture. Uh-huh. And
1: When was that in relation to uh, uh, Little Orphan Annie, which was 1918?
0: Well, Little Ella Cinder's is 1926, Uh and it's a newer, more conventional um, Colleen Moore film. It's an interesting little picture. Uh, She's basically playing a variant of Cinderella, and she wants to get into the movies and wins a contest to go see the movies to go in into the movies and of course she's only barely able to do it and her her hometown family thinks she's terrible and they want her ugly sisters to be in the movies instead of her. And it's just <laughs> basically the, the Cinderella story adapted for the movies. It's it's a cute little picture. It only survives in the form of a codoscope. Now do you know what a codoscope is?
1: Well I've heard but why don't you tell the folks?
0: Okay. A codoscope is a five reel meaning a fifty minute condensation of a movie. So Codoscopes are always five reels, always 50 minutes, maybe up to 60 minutes uh, of a film. And they are um, they were released to private collectors, and that's the only way that Ellisender survives. However, we've got the script for the whole thing, which was originally a seven reel, 70-minute picture. And we have the score for the whole thing, which was originally 70 minutes. Mm. And we have stills from the whole thing. From the which, missing from the missing mm-hmm. footage. So what I'd like to do is do a reconstruction not just of Ellis but of the long version of Ellis So we'll have the Codoscope version and the long version with the original score if I get my way. And, and that's an
1: ambitious project.
0: Well, it's a very ambitious project. And not only is that hard to do from what you've already heard, but the Codoscopes are all beat to death. Mm-hmm. And so I've gotten two of them, and they're both missing footage in different places. It's much like Little Orphan Annie was, where you had to pick and choose the best mm-hmm. shots. Well, luckily, I know at least where three more Kodoscopes are. Mm-hmm. I've got two of them now. I'm going to go through and, and pick the best shots. So even though Ellis has long been available on video, and it's long been available on Blu-ray even. Uh, This is going to be a good version of Elisenders with as much footage restored as we can possibly restore. And the Kodoscope will look fantastic, and the extended footage will look really cool. But that's another year and a half off anyway. So I'm still working on that one as well. So that's maybe why you haven't done a Kickstarter. Because you don't know when you
1: can get it done.
0: That's right. And I know Kickstarter people get kind of antsy with you they say well when are you going to get this out when are you going to get this out when are you going to get this out and the answer is i don't know because king of the congo has to get done first and then i have to negotiate with the orchestra for ella Sanders, and i have to find the script is in california and the stills are in new york oh it's all over the country where i'm getting different different materials so it's it's pretty amazing stuff
1: huh uh i heard something about you're thinking of doing a project on lapino lane
0: yes now, do you know who Lupino Lane was?
1: Well, I'm not the expert on Lupino Lane. I do like him, though. He was a, uh, a music hall artist who was also in both silent and sound film. Lupino Lane uh, was very acrobatic, kind of reminiscent, I guess, of Buster Keaton, would you say?
0: Uh, yeah, sort of, sort of Buster Keaton meets uh, uh, Douglas Fairbanks by way of more special effects <laughs> and, and by way of wow. being just extremely hyperactive. Yeah. Um Lupino Lane is is a really interesting character. Uh he was Ida Lupino's cousin. Ida Ida Lupino's uh real name is of course Ida Lupino and Lupino Lane's original name was Henry uh George Lupino. Oh. And so he was adopted by a lady by the name of Lane and then she died the next day and so he became Lupino Lane even though his original name was uh, Henry George Lupino. So you'll see sometimes in his shorts, he is referred to as the director as Henry George. Well, that's... That's him. That's, that's him.
1: And he had a brother in the business? Yes, he, he, had, he had
0: a couple of brothers. He had Stanley mm-hmm. was in the business, and uh, he had another one, Wallace, was in the business and as well. And they
1: show up sometimes in the credits of his...
0: Yes, of they the all thing. appeared in his mm-hmm. shorts at one point or another. Uh, Lupino Lane was, of course, the most acrobatic of the bunch, and was was pretty amazing with some of the stunts he was able to do. Uh, and there are a lot of silent shorts of his that survive, and they've been popping up a lot over the last few years. Um, and we're, we're working on doing that, but again... Putting together a compilation of those? Well, yes, we're working on trying to find as many of them as we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, or fortunately, I, I'm not really sure which, I put out an APB for some Lupino Lane shorts the other day, and I was inundated with... Oh, yeah, I've got a print of such and such, and I've got a print of such and such. (laughs) And it turns out that I thought maybe I could find five or six and we could put them out. But it turns out there are up to maybe 10 or 12 of them that are available. And so we're probably going to have to put up volumes of Lupino Lane shorts. It's not a bad thing. Which is not, no, it's not a bad thing at all. But suddenly it becomes a project that I can't do immediately, whereas Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be able to just kind of throw this one out because I had the prints and I had some of the scans done already.
1: I see. That is how that works, because they all have to be scanned first.
0: Yes, they have to be Mm -hmm. scanned so that they're up to modern standards. You don't want to do an old-fashioned telecine. And you want to to be able to uh, uh, make these look as good as possible. I've got to tell you, Mm -hmm. um, there's a DVD out of some Lupino lanes that are largely bootlegged from my things, my transfers from about 25 years ago. Oh, my. And uh, I was able to restore... Uh, things like uh, Who's Afraid, which is a Lupino Lane short from 29. I was able to restore that to the point that it looks pretty good. It just absolutely blows away the uh, quality that you were able to get off my 25-year-old copy of the same print. So I'm looking forward to be able to do that, but I haven't been able to do it yet. And it's in the hopper, let's just say that.
1: So you would want
0: to uh, do something in a more orderly fashion on Lupino Lane. I mean,
1: you could, in theory, put out what you have, and then get the rest of them, put them out. But it would be nicer if you're going to do multi volumes to have them in some sort of
0: yeah. I would like to do that logical I, order. I don't know if I'll be able to put them in a logical order, uh, just because the way they pop up seems to be semi random. Of course, and and who's available at at whatever time is kind of hard to do too. But you know, it's it's possible that I'll be able to get a bunch of them. And there are some from twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, in different. Places and a lot of the ones that I have are the ones that haven't been put on video yet. So there's there's some good news there, but uh, just not ready yet.
1: I see. Well, what about uh, other sources of uh, of funding rather than uh, Kickstarter? I know you can't do more than one Kickstarter at once. And you
0: right, and that's a really key point here is that I'm holding open my Kickstarter option in case I need to do some emergency extra work on King of the Congo. <laughs> And I'm afraid I may have to do that. And so I'm not doing a Kickstarter on Lupino Lane or anything else just in case I have to do this on King of the Congo. It's very possible that I'll have to do that. And I'm in negotiations on that right now. So that's one of the things I'm I'm holding open. I can't do that. I know people have talked about Patreon, uh, which is a cool thing. But then I have to have something every month for Patreon subscribers. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not sure what to do. Maybe you guys think of something. I don't know.
1: Well, I wish I would. Tell me, too, because I am just as freelance as you are. I am a freelance public historian and do a multiplicity of things, and funding is always a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, now, one of the things that we we've talked about is maybe Patreon could fund keeping the podcast going, and we argue about keeping the podcast going, but... I'm hoping that this reaches an audience that doesn't read and doesn't look at movies and and is more interested in podcasts, and we're finding that that's the case in some of these things, so I'm hoping to reach a new audience with that. So I'm trying to keep the podcast going, even though it's actually a money loser for me, but oh well. Okay, well, I, have we covered everything that we? I need think to so, cover?
1: unless there are some other projects you might be
0: considering. Oh, there are a bunch of other projects that I'm considering, and these are the only ones that I'm even ready to talk to you about. Uh, there are lots of things, including uh, a uh, Charlie Bowers.
1: Oh, now piece. there's a guy I'd like to see more
0: of. Uh, Charlie Bowers. I found a Charlie Bowers film that I can't tell you about, and it's <laughs> going to go to National Film <laughs> Preservation Foundation yeah. this month. And uh, I'm doing some outrageous animation that uh, I hope to release. That's kind of a kind of a hodgepodge of different animation stuff, and that may happen at some point too to to be out on Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, so some of that may happen as well, but eh, not sure yet. Uh, I always encourage you to stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Buy stuff online to keep us going, and that is at slash amazon and you can ask us questions at AskDrFilm, AskDrFilm at drfilm.net. And of course, go out and see an old an movie. An old
1: movie? What an idea.
0: Go out. Don't just watch one at home. No, 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 no. Go out and support a real showing of an old movie because that's what really keeps this going. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.